And I'd like you to turn in your Old Testaments now to Isaiah 40, 27 through 31, a famous passage, and this is the Word of God. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary, and His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. When I read this passage, uh, often I just kind of have to go in my mind to the scene in that great movie, Chariots of Fire, I actually found somebody a couple weeks ago who never seen that and had, a, had him look at the movie and said, that movie's great. So if you've never seen Chariots of Fire, you need to see it. But if you have seen it, and you can actually like YouTube the scene I'm about to show you this afternoon if you want to see it. But it's, it's the scene where Eric Little, who is the 1924 gold medal runner for Britain in the Paris Olympics and a future China missionary, a Presbyterian uh, missionary to China, to China, I might add, it is the scene where he is reading this passage in church. And as he reads about God's strength and our weakness, there are vignettes, slow motion video as he talks about our weakness of young men stumbling and falling. Of, of young athletes who do not have the strength to win the race. And, and there is this one, he just cannot muster the strength and he is not first. Harold Abrams does not cross the finish line first. And, and then, of course, if you've seen it, there's that famous, really famous vignette. It's all in slow motion where the guy goes up to hurdle the, to clear the hurdle in front of the water. I think it's called the steeplechase or something like that. And he doesn't clear the hurdle and he just goes face down in the water. And he's just so discouraged and he gets up and you can see the determination. It's all in slow motion. And when he finally crosses the finish line, he's just exhausted and people come up and they, they pat him on the back. But I'll tell you something. It is the power of God's Word combined with the camera work that makes this stick in my mind to this day. Because the camera, while all this slow motion is going on, focuses on their faces, spattered with dirt and just straining the, the disappointment of losing and, and all of this emotion coming through the camera. The camera doesn't lie. Now, there are people here today that if we had a camera on you during the week, not the way you look at church, but really on your life, 
that camera would record your failings and your fallings, your struggles, your wrestlings, and oh, the pain we would see on your faces. Others can't always see it, but our camera is recording your actual feelings, and it's so hard. You know, there are some here this morning who it is simply not going well in your life, in some important area of your life. And there are other people here this morning that are in absolute collapse of a certain area of your life. Like Israel. Like Israel, if a camera would have been on the faces of the Israelites as the Babylonians with their siege ramps came over the walls and indiscriminately began to kill their families, torch their homes, tear the temple to the Lord God to the ground. Oh, the pain on their faces. And to be, not only have your family killed, but to be put in chains and and marched from present-day Israel to present-day Iraq, to be held in captivity in Babylon. Oh, yes. There is so much pain. There is so much agony on the faces of God's people. And they ask the question that you and I ask. And we ask it most every time when it's really deep. In fact, somebody this week grabbed me and said, Joseph, I've been going through this, that, and the other. And I want you to know, I I ask God, why? Where, Where have you been, God, in the midst of that? If you ask that question, you're in good biblical company. Read the Psalms, you'll learn a lot of people who are honest with God and God who honestly meets them in their point of need. And God's Word to them is His Word to us today. I understand your pain. I understand your pain. And I am there. I am there whether you feel it or not. I am there whether you sense me or not. And I want to lift you up. Now here's the sentence I want you to memorize or write down. God is there and He cares. Can you say that with me? God is there and He cares. But we must trust in Him. We must trust in Him. God is there and He cares. Verse 27, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, My way is hidden from the Lord and my right disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Answer, yes, we have. Have you not heard? Yes, we've heard. He's reminding them of what they know. Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow faint or weary, and His understanding no one can fathom. It's unsearchable. And what we learn from this passage is that God is both powerful, He's the creator of the ends of the earth, and He's personal. He understands. His level of understanding of everything and everybody is absolutely unsearchable. But you know, really, to get this sense of of God being so big and yet being so intimate, we need to go back to the, the verse immediately before our text. Go back to verse 26. If you'll look with me, lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He's talking about the stars. Who created these? He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, 
by the greatness of His might and because He is strong in power, not one of them is missing. Ralph Davis, just one of my absolute Old Testament professor heroes in his treatment of this text, quotes a scientist. He says, suppose that everybody in the world were going to count the stars. So everybody in the world is going to have their share of stars to count, like God counts the stars. He says, if everybody in the world were to count the stars, each person could count more than 50 billion of them without one star being counted twice. Let me say that again in case that didn't just like blow your mind. If every person living in the world were to count stars, they could count 50 billion of them, all everybody, without one star ever being counted twice. Meaning, God is the Creator. God knows them all by name, by the greatness of His might. They are there, spread out like a canopy. Guess what? He calls them all out by number. And by name, by the greatness of His might, and because He is so strong, not one is missing. Translated, God is so big, but He is so intimate. God knows all the stars, but God knows each star. God who knows all the stars and each star knows every person intimately. Some people think, God's so great, how can, he, how can God keep His eye on my little life? Well, let me tell you something. He is great and He is intimate. And He knows our lives. Now you can understand a little better. Verse 27, so right after that, so why do you say, O Jacob? And speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause, my right is disregarded by God? Have you not known have you not heard? The Lord is the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary, and His understanding nobody can fathom. He is the creator and the one who intimately understands. He's there and He cares. Do you believe that this morning? What, what, what you're going through in your life, whatever it is, do you believe that He is there and He cares and He understands? And I'd like for you to just sit and listen to a great passage that puts all of this together so beautifully. It is Psalm 147, 3 through 6. God, He, think about how personal this is. He heals the brokenhearted. And He binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure for the Lord lifts up the humble. The one who spreads it out, the one who counts it, calls it, takes your wounded heart and pours the oil of grace on you. He is both powerful and He is personal. He cares. I think maybe one of the, the, the most important features of this text is in verse 28. We'll get to, they'll rise up on wings like eagles. We'll get there, I promise. But maybe more important than that is, is what is said in verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? 
hear the important words, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the Lord is the everlasting God. Why is that important? Capital L-O-R-D, that is the word Yahweh. That is the covenant name of God. God is, His name is faithful. His name is lover. His name is the one who will never forsake me. And when you say, the capital L-O-R-D, Yahweh is the everlasting God, what this is saying about God, folks, is that He will always be committed. He will always care. He will always be there. He who knows the stars sees the pain on your face. And He is ever faithful. And not only does He know, verse 29 says He does something about it. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, He increases strength. Who is it that He gives power to? The faint. Not those who think they're powerful. People who think they're powerful don't need God's power, do they? To those who have no might, He increases strength. Great little biblical principle. God simply refuses to help people who don't need His help. We remember Jesus' words in Luke 5 and 32. Those who are well don't need a physician. Now, of course, this is a tongue-in-cheek type of thing about Jesus. They're not really well. They think they're well. They think they're okay. They think they're in control of their lives. Those, Jesus says, who are well don't need a doctor. But those who are sick and know that they're sick. I have not come to call the righteous. I've come to call sinners. I've come to call people who need me. It's also what the Beatitudes are all about in Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are, are crushed and humble and needy. They will be given a relationship. Theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn and are needy, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty, for they shall be filled. And I think the, maybe one of the most famous verses along these lines is 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. It says this, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power or my strength, same thing, my power, my strength is made perfect in what? Weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. Oh, my! I say there's something good about these struggles because they allow me to get in touch with my need they allow me to see that I can't make it all happen in my life. I need God. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. It's one of the great paradoxes, is it not, of what's called the upside-down kingdom of the gospel? People who think they're strong do not get help from God. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself beneath the mighty hand of God that He may raise you up 
He may raise you up in due time. So, what qualifies you to draw helping power and strength from God this morning? It is precisely because you're fainting. That's good news, folks. If you live in a fallen world like I do, and you can't make it happen, you, you can't stop it, you can't do this, you can't do that, you, you know, things, you get hurt by other people. What qualifies you? It's precisely that you're not in control and you can't. It's precisely that you understand that you have no might. To those who have no might, He gives strength. Anybody here qualified? Let me tell you something. Yahweh everlasting is qualified to love you and to help you and to lift you up. You see, just when you thought you were defeated and alone, He is there. Yahweh everlasting is there. Just when you thought there was no hope, He is there. Just when you thought that pain and disappointment were going to be the final words on your life, they are not. For those who are faint, for those who have no might, He is there and He cares. So he's there and he cares. You believe that? But it's not enough, is it, just to know he's there? It's not enough to say, isn't he great? Now this text goes on to say we must trust him. We must put our trust in him. Verse 30. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who trust, they who wait, upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. God doesn't get tired or weary. You know one of the frustrating things about God? Is that we're living in a fallen world and all this stuff is heavy and wearying and tiresome and everything's equally easy to God. Sometimes I just say, God, everything's equally easy to you. Why won't you make it easier for me? I don't have the answer to that question for me or you, but I do know this. I do know that a lot of what we go through in a fallen world is precisely for us to be able to say, Lord, I'm fainting and I need you. Lord, I, I don't have any might and I need your strength. Pointed out here, the strongest people among us, the youths, Even youths grow tired and weary. Even young men, even Olympic athletes in slow motion um, stumble and fall. Meaning, the very physically strongest among us can't hack it in a fallen world. Cannot depend on their own strength to bring them through. In contradistinction to that is this truth, that anybody who hopes on the Lord. Anybody. Doesn't matter if you're old. Doesn't matter if you're crippled. Doesn't matter what your emotional state is. Doesn't matter. Anybody who trusts in the Lord will have strength. You see that? The strongest among us can't hack it. But anybody who trusts in the Lord will be lifted up. But you must trust the Lord and the specific words here are you must wait upon the Lord. Now, you know, we hear these words wait upon the Lord and that Sometimes that kind of sounds spiritual, like wait upon the Lord. Just, just, 
You know, it doesn't matter what the question is. Just wait upon the Lord. And we're not sure what that means. Well, I got news for you. It's real simple. It just means trust the Lord over a long period of time. (laughs) It's exactly what you didn't want to hear that it meant. (laughs) Trust the Lord over a long period of time. It means not always taking matters into our own hands. Not always trying to force things to be better. Young people, I will tell you this. When you are young, you think you're bulletproof. You think you're almost eternal. You got all this physical strength. You know, you got all these things. You just, you just think it can go on forever. You cannot make your life. I promise you. The life that you truly at the deepest part of your heart want for yourself, you cannot make it for yourself. You cannot control it. You must acknowledge your need of God. And all of us must acknowledge this. I mean, look, we can't, we can't control things that are happening. We can't be our own PR firm and try to control our image so people will do what we want them to do and say what we want them to say. I'm going to tell you, you want to be exhausted? Try that. Try controlling it. Run and not grow weary? That is exhausting. And I'll get to how I exhausted myself at one point in my life in a moment. Yahweh everlasting will move in our lives when we trust Him, when we wait on His timing. You see, God is the ultimate multitasker. Do you know that? God's not just in this about you. God's preparing other people for the answer about you and other people. God's into His church. God's trying to glorify Himself more than just what you want out of life. It's all these people around you. It's to the ends of the earth. And God puts down rulers, and God lifts up rulers, and all this is happening by God's mighty hand. And we need to trust God, and we need to wait upon the Lord, and and the Lord will show us, and the Lord will lead us. And Yahweh everlasting will move in your life, and therefore... He will move in your circumstances. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, God will deliver people, just straight up deliver them. But you know what He normally does? He changes them. And they change, and suddenly in that whole multitasking sense of God, other people begin to change. And God's glory is wrought, not by just getting them out. I mean, I'm like, God, could you make my life easier? Answer, no. But I'd love for you to trust me, and I'd love for you to to make you more holy, and I'd love for you to make you more gracious. I'd love for you to have an impact on people. It's really beautiful when you begin to consider the, the body of Christ, the big picture, what's going on in the world, and all this is in reference to His church. You'll be changed, you'll be different, and therefore your life will be different. He'll deliver you, all right, by working in you. In my life... There have been times of deliverance. But other times there has simply been, after long protests on my part, and demonstrations, there has been a sense of His presence. In the times that I have come to the end of myself, I finally said, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be small. I don't want to be that controlling. Lord, I need You. There has been that sense of, hey, look, if God is for you, 
Who can be against you? I don't even know what that means. I don't even know what it all means, but I know that Yahweh everlasting is with me. I want to tell you this morning a story, a true story, about God and John Norton. Yes, John Norton sitting right there on the second row. There are times when, when things are not going well and you have to wait upon the Lord. There are times of collapse and you have to wait upon the Lord. When I was just out of seminary, I was uh, going to plant a church in Orlando, Florida. And boy, I felt like I was up to the task. If you didn't believe me, just ask me. So this took a long time, and, and I had a pastor friend in Birmingham say, why don't you come start a church in Birmingham? No, 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 I want to I go down here. And, and this went on for like six or seven months, and I had to go be approved by the denomination. I had to go down to the, what's called the Presbytery, or the area churches down in Orlando to be approved. I moved my stuff to Tallahassee, Florida, where my parents lived, just to kind of be closer to what was about to happen. And I'll never forget the day that the phone rang, and on the other side was the senior pastor in this church in Orlando. And he said, look, i got bad news for you. We had a session meeting, that's the meeting of the elders, last night, and you're not coming. What? Moi? Why? We decided you're not married and you're not coming. I was stunned. I said, okay. So I called my friend in Birmingham. I said, you know, I thought I was going to Orlando. Maybe I'm supposed to come to Birmingham after all. He goes, you're not the person, Joseph. I'm not? Hmm. You're not the person. So there I was, seven months in, living with my own parents with no prospects. It was great. Mr. Church Planner is fainting. Does not have his own power. I mean, my mother and I were over breakfast one day, and he said, what are you going to do? I said, well, you know, I think I'm just going to have to, I think I'm just going to have to trust God. <laughs> so, I, you know, I prayed that day, and I played a little golf while I trusted God that day. <laughs> and kind of day went into day, and I, I literally didn't know what I was going to do. And one day the phone rang, and it was John Norton on the phone. And uh, John called me, and he said, Joseph, and I had said to John, no, I want to be a church planter. I want, I'm not going to go be a singles minister. I'm not going to babysit singles. I mean, I cannot believe I said this. So he calls and he said, Joseph, I don't even know why you called. He said, we're about to hire this other guy, but, and we go back to seminary, but I want to know, I want to ask you one more time if you're interested. I said, I'm interested. <laughs> I, could I come up like today? And check this out. Literally the next day, it's five hours from Tallahassee to Augusta, Georgia, first press Augusta. There I was the next night in the, the home of a person that became very close to me. And not only did I love these people and just had the sense that if I just sought God all along and quit being Mr. Big Shot, that things would have gone out a whole lot better. But there I was right there in the kitchen and I met one Gina Smith that night who is my wife. Thank the Lord that we don't have the power to make it all happen. You know, I, I accepted the job and uh, I moved up there and they allotted $10,000 for my moving expenses. I, I went into the business administrator's office and 
Gave him my expense. He said, $35? I said, well, everything I own will sit in the you know, back of my hatchback car. I, I needed gas and a hamburger. Is that okay? You know, yeah, I'm Mr. Big Shot. $35 moving experience, uh, expenses. I tell you, I learned something. For the first time in my life, the words, apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. First time in my life I actually believed those words down to the core. And even today, I do not want to be that controlling person. I do not want to be that small person. I do not want to be that ugly person or that showboat person or any of this other stuff. Because God took a young man and took him to the wood shed. And He changes us. They who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. You know what it means, renew their strength? It literally means change strength. It doesn't mean that you get more strength. It means that God gives you His strength. The, one scholar says, a person, like a person might change into a fresh set of clothes from old to new. They, they shall have a change of strength who look to the Lord. They shall mount up. Here it is. Big, big flourish, big finish. They shall mount up. On wings like eagles. Why eagles? Well, there's so many references in the Old Testament in particular to eagles. Eagles are symbols of, of power and honor. Now, eagles are very powerful creatures, but, but a lot of times when the, the Scripture is talking about eagles and their power, it's not so much that they're like ultimate predators and they could eat my Yorkie poo in one swoop or something like that. That's not what it's talking about. It has to do with the design of eagles. It has to do with how God, the one who created the ends of the earth, created a wingspan and a, and a design of wings so that when there is a draft of air, eagles go higher. And, and you see, eagles have strength that is not their own. It's all about the way God made them. And the air pushes them up and eagles are able to soar with that power, they will mount up on wings like eagle. Hey, you, you know, this is the deal. Wherever you are, don't you want an updraft of the Holy Spirit? That's what he's talking about. Those who know they're weak, those who need God, get an updraft. They are changed out in strength. All you need to qualify is to be faint and realize you have no might. So I go back to the camera recording your own personal deep pain because I know it's there. I know it is there. We live in a fallen world. And God is there with you. And He cares. Do you believe that? Well, I'd like to, if you don't believe it yet, I'd like you to look at one more picture. I'd like for you to look at the wounds of Jesus Christ. I'd like for you to see the nails in his hands and in his feet. I'd like you to see the spear in his side. I would like for you to observe the ultimate agony of our Savior suffering on a cross and suffocating to death through that agony. You see, your God, if you've put your trust in Jesus... Your God isn't just the God who created the ends of the earth. 
Your God is not only the God who did that, numbers the stars, knows them intimately, and His understanding no one can fathom, knows you better than you know yourself, you better than anybody else knows you. Your God is a God who definitely understands your suffering because He's been there. What kind of a God is that? who willingly suffers and identifies with His people at that precise point of suffering. So when you say, Lord, I'm fainting, He says, I've I've been there. Lord, I have no might. And He says, yes, as as a lamb was silent before His shearers. And He was punished for, I've been there. And you know what? He went there for you. And the reason why It's so that He could seek and find you in your pain and give you a relationship with God, take away the sin barrier that we have between us and the Holy God. That was the price of that. But look, it's not just His agony. There's an empty tomb here, right? What that means is Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He is Yahweh everlasting. You can trust Him. He knows. He loves you. He's there and He cares. You are not alone. To those who have no might, I say to you, wait upon the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, You're you're so mighty. You're so loving. You're so knowledgeable You make me feel uncomfortable sometimes with the level of your knowledge. And yet you amaze us that with that power and with that knowledge, you still love us because of the wounds and suffering and agony of Jesus Christ, our Savior, Yahweh the Everlasting. If you've never put your trust in Christ and you want to stop trying to impress God and do it all on your own, You pray with me, Lord, I I turn from all that religion. I turn from my pride and my sin. I want to put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done. I know you have come to bring me into your arms. Lord, thank you that even now you've forgiven me. Thank you that even now, as I've placed my trust in you, you are my Savior. Lord, at this moment, I know that it's all you and none of me. Would you help me to take a mental picture of that? So that as I grow, I won't forget it. Or at least I can come back to it and be given strength. But Lord, there are many people here, all of us, who are struggling. And Lord, our first response so often is to try to get tougher than our problems. Or to withdraw. Or to try to control. Would you be merciful great God and Savior to stop us? Would you stop us? Would you desire even now to say to God, God, you know what it is. I know what it is. And I'm just so hurt. That's why I don't want to come to you. I don't want to let go of my hurt. Lord, I I don't have any strength. And I'm fainting over here. And I put my trust in you. And I will wait on you. 
even as you've encouraged me this very day, I will wait on you to work in ways that I can't even predict. Change me and bring glory to yourself through me. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.